Who are you? I'm the player to be named later. And you should recognize me. Well, hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Players to be Named Later podcast. I'm Ed, that's Dan. Say hi, Dan. Say hi, Dan. Hi, Ed. Dan has trouble saying hi. He's really shy. Especially when we're not talking about football. And today's show is not about football. We are going to be discussing the NHL. We're finally going to give you that show we've been teasing you all for for God knows how long. We're giving you our NHL at the half. And Dan, what a season it has been so far. It has been a season so far. Um, A lot of storylines to come out of this. Uh, First half of the season and with the trade deadline looming, who knows what um, could be coming up next. Yeah, we already had one shocking trade come in already in the last couple of days, but we're going to get there here in a little bit. We got other notable stories. For example, Dan, what is going on in Toronto? Why is Sam Sonoff put on waivers, sent down for mental reasons? I, um, I, Toronto's always one of those teams where I feel like if they ever get a solid goaltender, they're just never going to lose a game. But they, Freddie Anderson and, and even anybody before them, they haven't really had one. I feel like there's a lot of pressure that comes with playing in Toronto. Um, but at the same time, Santanoff was a completely different animal when he was in Washington, and he has not honestly looked the same since going to Toronto. Well, it's that pressure. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious. He got himself in his own head, and Toronto even came out and said they are going to do everything from sports psychology to it wouldn't shock me if they hooked him up with uh, Deshaun Watson's massage therapy regimen to to get him back where he needs to go. Uh, Dan, let's talk about some of these rookies. They have been the story, specifically the one in Chicago, but his story has changed greatly in the last couple of weeks. Connor Bedard, out six to eight weeks, he had surgery on his fractured jaw a couple of days ago. What does this mean for the Calder now? Because it's obvious that Bedard's probably not going to be there. So he's out six to eight weeks, so let's just say it's on that which... I'm going to say, let's say it's on that short end, but you're probably going to be more cautious with a star player like that. Especially for um, a team that's out that, of the playoffs. If it's on that short end, I would say the Calder is still firmly in his grasp. Um, I'm also going to say this because how awards are, just in sports in general, Bedard might win it either way. But if I, I mean, not take, taking that out of consideration, we're looking at, Probably a race between Fantilli and somebody else. Anybody else that's wide open at this point? Okay, fair enough. Uh, Dan, did you take in much of the World Juniors at all? I took in some of the World Juniors. Um, I did not take in much. I did love the villain, the villain role that U.S. played uh, in that down the stretch, though. I will, I will say that. They were one of the favorites to win, and they did thanks in large part to Blues prospect Jimmy Snuggerud, who had 10 goals in the tournament, the fourth most ever, tied with seven other players, and only behind Brian Gianta, Kiefer Bellows, James Van Riemsdyk, and Jeremy Roenick. 
in U.S. history. So something bright for the Blues' future. Uh, Dan, you're a Washington Capitals guy. What's up with Ovi? Um, we're going to talk about him a little bit later on, sort of. Um, but having a hell of a down season, uh, that's the only way to really describe it when you look at the pace that he's on. I'm not going to give that away too much right now, but um, it, it hasn't gotten better. Uh, of late it's kind of at the same pace we'll see how it goes they have the Kraken tomorrow at home um, which that team looks like they are on a heater uh, of late but um, I don't really know what what to say when it comes to to Ovi I don't want to say he's fallen off uh, because they are right in the the playoff picture at this point Um, but when you look at his stats he are you not having his that? regular season? Are you willing to use that W word? Washed? No. Maybe if he has another season like this next season, I'll, I'll go there. But I don't want to say he's washed yet. I mean, I you look at what you, you, you look at what Crosby's doing. Same age, same draft class in Pittsburgh. Crosby's a favorite to win to win a few postseason trophies, and yet Ovi is sitting here. Floundering? Should we worry? Should we worry? Uh, There's definitely reason to worry, for sure. Fair enough. Uh, Let's talk about... Let's talk about the standings, because there are some very big surprises there. Let's start in the Eastern Conference. Danny Boy, the Bruins, through 36 games, have 52 points. That's good for 72.2% of their overall point total. They are first overall behind, are just ahead, one point ahead of the New York Rangers, three, four points ahead of the Florida Panthers with a game in hand as the Panthers beat my Blues 5-1 to one in St. Louis with Maddie Tichuk getting a, hat tr- a natural hat trick in the third period, followed by the Canes, the Leafs, the Islanders, the Flyers in a shock, and the Devils running out the top eight. Washington is technically tied with the Devils, but the Devils have more wins um, Outside, I'm going to correct you here uh, okay. really quickly. I do apologize. The standings oh, that yep. you're looking at are from are old. the... Yes. Give me a minute. Let me refresh that. They are a week old. Here we go. So we have the Bruins at 56 points through 40 games. The Rangers have 54 with the game in hand. The Panthers also have 54 through 40. Toronto 49 with two games in hand, followed by Carolina, Philadelphia in the sixth spot, which is Way more shocking than I had them. The Islanders, Tampa Bay sits in eighth. The Devils and Capitals and Penguins and Red Wings are all a point out. Montreal, five points back. And then the Sabres, the Jackets, and the Senators, who have only played 36 games. So, you know, they have six games in hand on Columbus, but they sit seven points behind them with only 28 out of the Eastern Conference, what is the most shocking for you there? Um, for me, I'm going to have to say Ottawa sitting in the basement, even with games in hand. Um, negative goal differential. They're currently on a four-game losing streak, three and seven in their last ten. Um, they just look awful, and they've spent a ton of money of late. Four and twelve um, yeah. on the road, too, which is far and away the worst in the East. And I want to say, didn't they just recently make a coaching change? Yes, they did. 
So there's a bunch of changes going on in Ottawa coming forward. A new stadium, a new owner. It's there's a lot of transition in Ottawa. So to me, that is the uh, that's the big story as of right now. To be completely honest, uh, coming out of the East. What about the Bruins? They lost their captain in Patrice Bergeron, and they're still just as good as they've ever been. 12-3-3 at home. They're not quite on the pace of what they were last year, but plus 27 goal differential, second in the East. They got the goaltending. I mean, they got the second best goals against in the East. Actually, third best if you include Pittsburgh at 106, but there's a game at hand situation there. But still, like, I mean, just Boston can continue to just plug and play. They did retool a little bit with getting some guys like a Shattenkirk and, and bringing in other guys this season. But still, they're the only team in the East with single-digit losses in regulation. Uh, I mean, listen, it's Boston is at home, money uh, on the road. They're money right now. But they did have a first-round exit, so let's see what they do in the playoffs. I know that might sound like a little bit of a cop-out, but uh, you can win all the regular season game you want. But if you can't close out in the playoffs, then what's the point of the regular season, right? That's Nobody cares about a regular season champion, am I right, Beth? We call that the blue team rule because in every sport there is a blue team that excels greatly in the regular season and flounders and fails to win championships in the postseason after having – Tremendous regular seasons. The Dallas Cowboys, Toronto Maple Leafs. Can we throw in the Golden State Warriors? It used to be the Knicks, but I feel like the Warriors have kind of taken over that mantle a little bit. And the Yankees. Uh, I'm going to completely dis- disagree with you on the Warriors, but we're not going to talk about that. That that that's a different show we're going to tease for you for about a half a year before we finally get around to doing it. Uh, what about these uh, Florida Panthers who took a massive step back after an amazing year two years ago? And now they sit in third in the conference with 54 points, tied, really tied for second. But the Rangers have a game in hand. After what they did in St. Louis and basically what Maddie Tuchuk did in St. Louis, are the Panthers for real? Uh, I think you have to think that. Everybody was talking about that run they went on last season and how it was kind of a fluke. Well, I think they've kind of proven that wrong. I think maybe it took them a little bit longer to catch a stride and, and that team chemistry to sync up. Um, but you're talking about sitting two points out of the two points out of of the one seed and four points out of the league lead, the the top seed in the league. So I don't really think we can say it was a fluke any longer. Um, you watch them play; they look cohesive on the ice. Uh, they look good. They're getting solid goaltending as well. Um, they currently are tied for the longest win streak in the league as well at eight games. So uh, I think we have to kind of take that win streak out of consider uh, out of the situation. I still think we have to look at them as a as a extreme contender and, and somebody to take serious for any team that's playing them. Last one: the Philadelphia Flyers are in sixth place with 48 points through 41 games. Now, granted, that is the most other than Tampa games played by a playoff team in the East, but still 48 points, 21, 14, and six. Tortorella has that team going and then they made that trade where that's a whole different topic we're going to get to with uh cutter uh goth gothier and um at the world juniors not wanting to meet with them or whatever but they acquired jamie drysdale who's a potential top two player and a second round pick for gothier uh 
Are the Flyers for real? Um, if you look at the numbers, you would say no. But something's clicking, right? I believe their power play is bottom, bottom, bottom quarter of the league. Uh, and they're the shooting. It's and the they're shooting. Worst. Their shooting percentage is the third lowest in the league at 7.99%. Um, so when you look at these stats, right, there's going to be some negative regression when it comes to the wins and everything. But if I'm not mistaken, this Flyers team also was very gritty last year. So maybe they've just clicked a little bit more in a sense. Um, Are you proud of yourself for that one? You know, honestly, I didn't even think about that because if you quizzed me on hockey, uh, hockey mascots, I definitely would maybe hit three. Um, I, I couldn't tell you what they are either. Everybody just knows who Gritty is. And yeah, I, I honest- did miss I did miss speaking. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Philadelphia has the second worst power play. The Blues currently have the worst power play at 10.6%. Um, so but no, I, do I, believe I didn't that's even because Philly scored a couple of power play goals last night. But I'm sorry, continue. I didn't even mean that that pun to be completely honest, but it was a good one. I'm, I'll give myself credit for that. As Richie um, should, they're solid. But uh, no, I, I think that I think this team has to fall off, right? They have 41 games played, so they are roughly at that halfway point. Um, actually, they're exactly at that halfway point. Um, and there's going to be some negative regression to come, I believe. They do have a positive goal differential, so clearly they've been getting solid goaltending. So if that continues, maybe they stay fighting for a wild card. But I don't see them finishing third in the Metropolitan Division as they currently sit. And uh, that power play... By the way, Jamie Drysdale, the newest Philadelphia Flyer, got an assist on a power play goal in the second period today. So that's why they are sitting at 11%. Now second worst, 31st in the NHL on the power play. I do think Drysdale can play a huge factor. And um, I I do think he can play a huge factor in them getting into it. Like he's going to have to have a very good second half of the season. Agreed. Uh, Let's move on to the West. Okay. Well, before we so, move on to the West, why don't we just kind of cover this this Philadelphia topic with Cutter? Okay. So how much do you know about this? Because this has kind of been pretty fast moving here in the last couple of days. So I can tell you what I've read and what I've seen. Uh, Cutter, when he was drafted, he talked about how Sidney Crosby was his favorite player. Fifth overall, by the way, last year. Philadelphia fans took that as a hit. He said he wanted to be a flyer. Uh, that story changed. He told them no. He didn't want to be a flyer, and his stock was none higher than what it was uh, after the World Juniors. So they traded him. Uh, Torts said, I don't even know who that kid is, so I ain't talking about him in a press conference. Um, Boy, that's a hell of an endorsement, isn't it, when you have your head coach say that kind of stuff? Whew. So uh, that's a well, – so he said that after the trade. Uh, Gauthier had 12 points over seven games in the World Juniors. Um, he finished tied with Buffalo Sabres prospect and Chechia center Yuri Kulich for the most points in the tournament. Now, another thing about this that Dan did not mention was that both Danny Breer and Flyers president um, Keith, I uh, can't remember his name, but he, he used to be a talking head on the NHL Um and that really makes me look bad not knowing um, Keith Jones's name, as I just remembered it. I uh, tried to meet with him on a number of occasions uh, while they were over in Sweden, and he straight ghosted him. 
which prompted the trade. But apparently word got around that he had no intention to sign with Philadelphia and was more than willing to sit out until he was draft available again. So from an Anaheim perspective, they've had they have a litany of defense young defensive prospects. They get they give away one for the fifth overall pick last year. Anaheim's got McTavish and they got this guy. I mean, they they're they're loaded in Anaheim for the next five to 10 years. I'm telling you, Dan, when we make our picks at the beginning of the year next year, Anaheim may be a sexy pick to go all the way. I mean, if they get solid goaltending, I mean, you're talking about Matavish, you're talking about Leo Carlson, you're talking about Trevor Zegras. Yeah. You're talking about, you're talking about Cutter Guthier at this point. Like this team, you know, granted he has a way to go, but I mean, we've seen prospects like Bedard take a, make a major impact on such a short time. So, I agree with you. This Anaheim team could be locked and loaded within the next two seasons to have a young star-studded core. Well, let's let's go to the conference Anaheim is in, and let's go to the West. And in the West, it is refreshing to see two Canadian teams at the top. The Winnipeg it's Jets. It's not refreshing. I'm American. The Winnipeg Jets have 58 points through 40 games. They are 27, 9, and 4. Followed by the Vancouver Canucks, 27, 11, and 3 through 41 games, 57 points, and a plus 53 goal differential. If either of these two teams are in the East, they are first by a mile. That's followed by Colorado with 55, Dallas with 53, Vegas 51, the Kings 47, Nashville 45, Edmonton 43, also Seattle with 43, although Edmonton has three games in hand on Seattle and four on Nashville. The Kings have three on Vegas and sit just four points back. Arizona sits in 10th with 42, the Blues and Calgary at 41. Although the Blues have the Blues and Arizona have two games in hand on Calgary and a game in hand on Seattle. Followed by Minnesota with 38 and then there's the bottom feeders of Anaheim at 29, Chicago with 26 and San Jose abysmal at 21. A lot to make from this group. A lot of the, there's a wider gap between first and 16th in the West than there is in the East. Dan, what's your big surprise out of this conference? I think the biggest surprise is the fact that Edmonton is sitting in the second wild card. Um, if we're looking at it from an overall perspective, that's a huge surprise because they were an odds on favorite to win the cup this year. But if we're not looking at it from a gambling standpoint, which is how I look at mostly everything when I'm first looking at sports, um, obviously Winnipeg leading the conference at 58 points and leading the NHL at 58 points. Uh, This team is a star-studded team, and they lost their biggest star in Kyle Connors. Um, Connor. He is on the IR IR right now. Um, But before they took that, uh, if we would have recorded this show two days ago, Vancouver would have been sitting number one overall in the NHL, and that would have been my biggest story. And the breakout star that Quinn Hughes has developed into, uh, that top line is a – this team feels like a one-line team, but this one line uh, is a monster line, to be completely honest with you. Oh, yeah. A um, lot of long winning streaks here, and Edmonton had to fight to get to the eighth spot as they have won eight in a row. Seattle's won seven in a row as they were near the bottom as well before that winning streak started, and Winnipeg has now won seven in a row. In fact, the only playoff team uh, 
to not be on a points streak is the Nashville Predators, who lost their most recent game. In fact, out of the top 10 teams, Nashville is the only one to not record a point in their last game. Um, another thing, Vancouver's a plus 53. Winnipeg is a plus 43. That is insane. Given the that fact that extremely insane. the best one in the East is Florida at plus 28. In fact, if you if you rank them now, Florida would be fourth behind the Kings, the Jets, and the Canucks, and only one goal better than Dallas, who has 27, also tied with Boston. Yeah. The no, West is better hockey. Insane. For uh, yeah, the West is the West is like the AFC of the NFL at this point. Um, yeah. And when, to, to top that off as well, I mean, you look at Winnipeg and the Kraken, both of those teams are on a – Zero loss streak in their last ten. Winnipeg is nine zero and one. The Kraken are eight zero and two. Um, and I'm gonna call my shot right now. The Kraken win tomorrow in Washington, so they're gonna be nine zero and one as well uh, going into this weekend. This uh, the hockey play that we're getting out of the West. It um, I don't know how much you have stayed up for. I know you stayed up for some because you're a Blues fan. But um, the seven o'clock games just don't match these these ten o'clock games living on the East Coast right now. Well, provided um, with, those with games provided those games don't take place in Anaheim or San Jose, because San Jose now granted they they've already won nine games. They're not going to match what Washington did in their league worst ten win season. But Seattle's a negative ninety. They have scored a grand total of eighty one goals. They have lost twelve in a row. They are 3-17-1 on the road and 6-12-2 at home. Anaheim, 6-16-1 at home. Anaheim's a better team on the road than they are at home. Chicago, 4-17-1 on the road. 2-7-1 in their last 10. Have scored a grand total of 95 goals and are a negative 58 even with Connor Bedard. Now, is Chicago that bad because they jettisoned one of the players they were counting on? What do you think? Um, I think everybody in Chicago kind of expected this. I think the Perry situation kind of put a damper on everything as well, um, if, if we're being completely honest. Um, the, the real story for me is when we're looking at the bottom of these conferences, it's how are you as bad as San Jose is? And if you're a guy like Thomas Hurdle, how are you not pounding on the GM's door? Or, I'm sorry, Thomas Hartel. How are you not pounding on the GM's door? You had it right the first time. To be getting out of San Jose. Like, this team is so bad. Like, it almost reminds me of, like, the threats of an NBA team with the NBA taking ownership and control of the team because of how bad it is it's not even fun to watch these games i'm being completely honest you mean like arizona for the last five seasons before they got their young infusion of talent yeah but you have you have young talent in san jose so how are you still this bad you have hurdle you have eklund uh if you give me a minute i can think of at least three other three tomas Tomas hurdle is not that young anymore He's been around for a good long while, and San Jose is just—they're playing in the—they're playing in the Pacific Division, which means they got to go up against 
Vegas and Vancouver and Edmonton <laughs> and the Kings and Seattle. There is not an easy night anywhere on that schedule if you're the Sharks. They just don't have the horses to pull the wagon. You know, they have the league worst goals against average by a lot. They have scored the fewest goals by a lot. 14 fewest goals, 18 most goals given up. Like, it's no secret why San Jose's bad. They just, they're not talented. Or they're not I mean, as talented I, as everybody else in that conference. I mean, I guess you're actually kind of right. And Hurdle isn't as young as I thought he was anymore. He's 30 now. Um, and he has, what, a $8 million cap hit each year? So I guess that's how you stay there and you just suck it up. Well, somebody's um, got to get him to the cap floor. They can't do what Arizona did for a long time and just take guys that are dead cap space just to put them out on the ice so they can make the cap floor. <clears throat> I mean, you do have some young talent there, though, with William Eklund, Callan Addison, uh, Mario Ferrero. Uh, I mean, I, I guess – I guess their goaltending is just what it is at this point of being so bad. And I guess maybe their, their talent isn't as much as I thought it was in a sense. Well, um, we've spent too much time on a team that just doesn't matter. Besides they're going to get screwed in the lottery anyway. It's going to go to a Canadian team. We already know this or a, an original 16. Let's, let's move on. Let's talk about some other awards that are going to be given or earned. I should say. Um, so Dan and I had done this before. We have six different awards to give the coach of the year, the rookie of the year, the Vezin of the Norris, the Richard and the Hart. Now, other th- we have one of the same and that's it. And that is the rookie of the year going to Connor Bernard mainly. And Dan's thinking about changing it right now. So we're going to give you our picks right now of who's going to win what award. And we're going to start with the jacket. Adams, and I'm going to give you my case first because it's John Tortorella. You look at what the Flyers were last season compared to what they are now, and it is a night and day difference. Give Torts his flowers, man. He may be abrasive. He, he's an asshole, but he's an effective asshole. He's Mike Keenan with a better filter. Mike Keenan was effective. Like Keenan won a Stanley Cup. Like Keenan did a lot for a lot of uh, a, a lot of teams, but Mike Keenan was a dick. John Tortorella is a dick, but John Tortorella wins hockey games, yeah. and he's got to win Coach of the Year this year. Dan, you got Rick Talkin. Why do you have Rick Talkin? Uh, Rick Talkin's going to take this team, in my opinion, from a team that missed the playoffs last season to a team that is probably going to lead the league in points. Um, I think this team is – I think this Vancouver team is completely turned around. Um, and I just think Tockett's going to be the the guy that – I mean, if there is – you have an option right now in some in some books to get a Canadian team to win the Cup at plus money, or you can take Vancouver to win the Cup. And if there's a Canadian team that's going to win the Cup, it's going to be Vancouver. So get your better odds and just take Vancouver. Uh, this team is the real deal. This team very well could have three players that win – individual awards on this team, uh, hands down. And between the two of us, we have three of those players winning awards. So that's why. Oh, well, all right. That that makes a lot of sense. 
Um, we've already talked enough about Bedard and, and guys that can come up there. I think Adam Fantilli is is a guy that, that needs to be mentioned as far as the Calder. But as long as Bedard comes back, he's a big enough name. He's going to get there. We're going to move along. We're going to talk about the Vesna Trophy for right now. Now, the Vesna Trophy is given to the best goaltender in the league. I couldn't narrow it down. I said it was going to be Connor Hellebuck or uh, Talbot out of um, oh God, the Kings. Talbot. Cam Talbot of the Kings. Dan, however, went somewhere different. He's going with Thatcher Demko because he is still, as you just heard, very high on Vancouver. Now, to tell you about Demko, he's 28-1. and one with a 9.16 save percentage and a 2.54 goals against average, and currently has three shutouts. That's good for tied for second in the league behind Tristan Jari, who's having a resurgent year, and Connor Ingram of Arizona. As he stands in the goals against column, if you want to look at starters and you want to count Aiden Hill as a starter, which I guess you have to, um, he's a little bit down on the list, and I'm going to have to put in some filters to get this, but still a very respectable goals against average for Dan's pick right there. I had two guys. I had Talbot and I had Hellebuck, but the more I think about it, the more I think I'm going to go with Connor Hellebuck to get another Vesna. He's 21-6-3 with a 9.23 save percentage and a 2.20 goals against average. And like I said, if you count Aiden Hill as a starting goaltender, he has 15 starts out of the 40 or so games. So He was injured as well. Right, so they're kind of doing that 1-1-A kind of thing in Vegas. But Hellebuck is the best starting goaltender as far as goals against average and save percentage in the league. And he is the sole reason that Winnipeg is as high as they are. He's your obvious best in the trophy candidate. You, you know, Talbot should get some votes, obviously, as should a few other guys on the list. Maybe uh, Charlie Lindgren in Washington, who's made who's 14, uh, started 14 games, you know, I hate like hell that the Blues had to give him up. Joey Decord's 22-11-5 with a 2.28 goals against average and a 9.23 save percentage. He deserves a little bit of love there. Jonathan Quick Listen. is playing back to what Quick needs to play at. but And Bobrovsky's not having a bad year. But it's kind of hard. I'm going to say this. If Seattle makes the playoffs as a Seattle fan and Decord is the starter, which I feel like he should be even when Grubauer's back, um, he's going to have to get looks. He's going to have to be in consideration. He's going to, he should be a top three vote getter for this award. Uh, come that time, if Seattle moves into a wild card spot or even a, a three seed or four seed, because they are right in that, in, in the play there. All right, let's move along. Let's talk about the Norris trophy winner. And then it's time for me to be high on Vancouver because the obvious answer here is Quinn Hughes. 11 goals, 40 assists, 51 points, three better than Kale McCarr. Granted, he's played five more games than McCarr has. But importantly, and one of the most important stats, I believe, for a defenseman is the plus-minus. He's plus 32. His defensive partner, Philip Peronik, is a plus 31. You know, um, 1.24 points per game. The dude's a beast. He, he has the highest shooting percentage of any defenseman in the top, what, 13 defensemen in points, and we can go much lower than that. I mean, you have to go all the way down to his brother, Luke Hughes, at 26 with 23 points, who has a, has a better shooting percentage. 
than what he does. He's getting almost he's getting 24 and a half minutes a night, which is right up there near the top of the league. The dude's good. Dan, you have Kale McCarr. I feel like that's yeah. a softball pick for you. Uh, it is a softball pick. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I wanted to go with Hughes, but I didn't want to agree with you on this. So if there's another guy I think that can make a run, it's going to be McCarr. Um, I will say that Miko may have a shot at this award if he can turn it up in the second half. Um, so, no, been... you're not getting away without saying his last name. Herskinen? Eh, better than what I thought it would be. Heiskinen. Um. But that, I mean, he has a shot, but I wanted to go with Hughes. I mean, realistically, I wanted to go with the Jack Adams, the Vesna, the Norris, and the Vesna. And one other award that we're going to talk about here, I wanted to have four four Vancouver players with award winners. Clearly, that's not going to happen. But uh, with the way that team's playing, I think it's plausible. Fair enough. Um and that award is the next one we're going to go to, and that's the Rocket Richard Award. And that's given to the most goals scored in the league. It's currently Austin Matthews, as it should be. He has 31 goals through 37 games, followed by Sam Reinhart, 29 goals. Uh, Nikita Kucherov has 28. Artemi Panarin, 26. Brock Besser, David Pasternak, and Zach Hyman all tied at 25. Why did you go with Brock Besser? Um, to be a little different, and if you watch Brock Besser play, uh, he is kind of became the focal point of that top line. Um, and if there, I mean, there were a couple other guys that I could have went with, right? Like Sam Reinhardt, I think he is a real contender with this Florida team, uh, but he pissed me off last season in fantasy hockey, so I wasn't going with him. Uh, Cooch kind of would have been a little bit of a layup. The, the bread man. Um, I think that I think that Rangers team is going to fall off some, and uh, I need to see it for a full season from him before I do that. And the pasta man, um, I just feel like he's going to fall off some too. So I, I went with Besser uh, just to kind of see what – just kind of go a little bit different. Um, and if Vancouver is going to make a deep run and, and continue to hold on – to get back that number one seed and then to continue to hold on to it, I think they're going to need that uh, – they're going to need that from him. I went with Austin Matthews because, I mean. Because you, you took the layup. You yeah, took the exactly. softball. Why wouldn't you? I mean, 31 goals, 15 assists. He is the star in a star-studded Toronto team. Dan, next year Toronto is going to have half of their cap space tied up in four players. Tavares, Marner, Nylander, and Matthews. That's not sustainable which means they are going to have to have bottom-of-the-basement guys fill those bottom two-and-a-half lines, and Austin Matthews is going to have to put the, the puck in the net from here on out twice a game, every game if Toronto has a hope of winning, and Austin Matthews can do that. You know, he's right up there with Connor McDavid as far when they're both healthy as far as just elite-level scoring talent. McDavid's going to run away, or McMatthews is going to run away with this one, not McDavid. Um, that brings us to the Hart Trophy. Now, the Hart Trophy is for the most valuable player in hockey. We both kind of went with some layups here because our two picks are 10 points clear, 9 and 10 points clear, of the next closest people in the points race. 
Nathan McKinnon and Nikita Kucherov. I went with Kucherov because why wouldn't you go to, with Nikita Kucherov, especially if Toronto makes the playoffs? He's got to be the best player on that team. And if he's the best player on that team, he's going to win the award. Tell me about Nathan McKinnon. So I think Cooch could finish two or three points ahead of McKinnon and McKinnon could still win this award. Um, and here's the reason why he's going to finish ahead with more assists. His plus minus is most likely going to be higher. Uh, his power play assists are going to be higher. And his shooting percentage is probably going to be about on par. I think that Cooch is shooting a little bit above his head right now with about a 15 and a half shooting percentage. So percent percentage. So I, I think that he's going to come a little bit down to earth. And I think McKinnon's going to stay level. I feel like McKinnon isn't playing above his head. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with McKinnon uh, to where I just think that, for one, if this Colorado team is going on any type of a run to even put up a fight in um in the Central, this team's got to go on his back, uh, as it has done previously. And uh, if that one, happens. One thing you didn't mention was Nathan McKinnon is the best two-way player in hockey. Nobody well, can score like him and play deep and come back and play defense like him. Uh, Dan, out of every player in the NHL, all – 200, 300, something of them. What player for you, going forward, for the rest of the year, has the biggest upside? Uh, it's got to be Ovechkin. You're going with a, a future Hall of Famer, one of the greatest scorers ever, having upside. Speak your piece. Um, so the reason why it's Ovechkin for me is he only has 26 points so far this season. So he's not even in the top 100 in points. Um, this team is in a playoff hunt. If Ovi can turn it on, he also only has eight goals for the season. So if he wants to try to break this record, if he wants to try to go forward, he has to turn it up. His goals have to come up. His points has to come up and he has to show that upside potential that he has. So we're not talking about him being washed at the end of the season. Um, as much as it may sound weird, right? Cause we're talking about a future hall of famer, uh, I don't think there's anybody in the league that has a higher upside than Ovi with what we've seen from him, even going back to just last season. Um, he looks like a shell of himself, so he has to break out of that shell in order for this team to do anything and for order for anybody to think that he's going to break the record. Miguel Cabrera last year, Albert Pujols two years ago. Still, with one second is all they need to bring back visions of glory and to remind you they are one of the greatest players of all time. And with Ovechkin, it's a fraction of that with that wrist shot if he gets free at a certain spot. But they're sh- they were shells of their former selves. Pools had an amazing final year of his career in St. Louis. But watching Alexander Ovechkin right now, he reminds me of Miguel Cabrera last year. Right. So, And that's why I say he has the biggest upside because – that's a huge drop-off from the previous year. And for a team that's in the playoff hunt, he has to. I mean, I think you can agree that if he just doubles this in the second half of the season, so let's say he goes 16 goals in, what, 40, 52 points in the second to, half. which To finish with 32 and 80-something, or 60, whatever, 70, whatever. Which 
that doesn't like if he does that, which unless you disagree with me, which I don't think you would, is very possible for him to do. That that's a hell of an upside for half of a season. I mean, anytime you have a player that scores 16 goals in a half a year, that's I mean, a 32 goal season is going to get you seven, eight million dollars a year. Um, yeah, dude, but that's a big ask for somebody who's advanced as he is. And it, if you watch Washington, he's not the focal point of the offense the way he once was. He's not the sole. He's not the sole goal scorer there anymore. You know, they're looking for more people other than number eight. And that could be an explanation on why his stuff is down. Um, My biggest player with the upside is Robert Thomas. Uh, 41 points through 39 games. He, with the descent of Rob, or not Robbie Fabry, um, um, Jordan Cairo, Thomas is now the all-star of that team. And he's, on any given night, he's the best player out there. He's uh, 53% from the face-off circle. He plays almost 21 minutes a night. He's averaging over a point a game. He's a plus 13 on a team that is a minus overall. You know, he's got 16 goals, and he's still a very elite passer. If the Blues had any other score, Thomas would have 40, 45 assists. But there's no, he's got nobody to pass to because Cairo has fallen off the map. Kevin Hayes doesn't exist. Uh, Brayton Shen is a shell of what he used to be. I don't know where Brandon Saad is, but it's not on the ice half the time. The Blues are not where they should be with the talent they have, but Robert Thomas is the reason they have a winning record and is a reason they are in the playoff hunt. Him and and Jordan Bennington. And now Thomas is not getting moved. He just got eight years, I think seven or eight million dollars. He's going to be a Blue for a long time. He's the one that's got the biggest upside because if the Blues are able to either find a goal scorer at the deadline or trade away a bunch of people and get something in the next couple of years. Robert Thomas is going to be in the top 20 in points every single year, as long as he's got somebody to pass the puck to or somebody to take the heat off of him so he can shoot the puck. Move along. We can move along because I disagree. So let's move along. Well, what do you disagree about? What did I say that was incorrect? I don't think he's going to have the pieces around him to unlock that potential for a few yeah. years. That's why the Blues got to find those pieces. And Jimmy Snuggerud may be one of those pieces. On the other side of the coin, as a team, what's your biggest upside for a team? Uh, I copped out here, and I have two teams. Are you going to make me pick one, or do you want me to talk about both? Nah, pull the high, mate. Let's go. Um, the New Jersey Devils and the Edmonton Oilers. Both these teams have young star potential. Uh, both these teams uh, – well, Edmonton, I, I don't necessarily know if I can say they have upside at this point. They fought back from the playoffs. If we were to court at this show three weeks ago, right, Edmonton would have been the clear cut. Uh, Jersey's turning it around some. They're currently sitting 5-4-1 and one in their last 10. But uh, the upside that this team has, I mean, this team was a odds-on favorite to win the cup early on this season. And at this point, they are on the outside looking in. Um, and with Edmonton, they were on the outside looking in. They got off to a rough start, made a head coaching change. And now they kind of turn it around and they're back with a plus 19 differential as well. 
Um, so that's that's where I think they're at. Um, I, I guess I guess I'm going to say Jersey just because Edmonton is currently in. Fair enough. Um, I originally had Toronto here, provided they could figure out the goaltending. But I, the more I think about it, the more waiting on Toronto to figure out a goaltender is like waiting for them to win a Stanley Cup. It's been 50 some odd years. I don't see, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Instead, I'm going to go with the Arizona Coyotes. They sit at 42 points. They are currently, uh, let me, I don't know, they're they're out of the playoffs. They're, they're, they're one point out of the playoffs. One point out. Right. Um, with the amount of talent that they have, they are 7-9-2 on the road. That's going to fall back to the mean. They are 13-8-0 at the mullet. And it saddens me that they play in a college arena. I'm going to be honest, that might be the toughest arena to play in, though. I am so excited in three years to buy a Houston Arrows jersey because Arizona is going to move to Houston. It makes too much sense for them not to. That's where they should be. That's where they belong as soon as Gary Bettman decides to not be an uh, – uh, anyway, Arizona, with the talent they have, they could pull the Diamondbacks. They could mimic the Diamondbacks and make it a long run. They, have they need goaltending and a little bit better defender. In the playoffs, anything can happen. As long as you get in, you can get in. And they're only a point back, and they got games in hand. they got two games in hand on Nashville for the fourth spot in the Central, and the three points behind. You convert both those to wins, you're in. So I think it's Arizona. Like They're a team that I love watching, despite the fact they kick the shit out of the Blues just every time they play them. Um, let's talk about the Winter Classic. Because I know you watch that thing religiously, despite despite some of the uh, college football games that were amazing on New Year's Day. Uh, Joey DeCord became the first goaltender to have a shutout in the Winter Classic. What do you think about that game? What do you think about the jerseys? I love the Seattle jersey. The biggest jersey was mid. Fair enough. Um... Decord, in my opinion, this should have solidified his spot as G1. Absolutely. Um, For one, that's really hard to do. Like, just looking at the history of the Winter Classic, that is extremely hard to do, to shut a team out on outside ice. Um, regardless of it being a home game, which it definitely was a home game if you watched it. You know that. Um, that's, that Jake that stadium was, was amazing. It, it was – listen, listen, I'm, I, I may be biased, but I think that is the best winter classic there's been. Oh, no, 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 no. It's hard um, to top Toronto and Detroit and Ann Arbor. Snowy, cold, perfect hockey weather. Leafs won three to two. It, that is exactly what the NHL wanted in a winter classic. This is a great game, make no mistake. But we're talking about two non-traditional hockey markets. Which is good. It wasn't great. And, and it featured the worst. Sense. And it featured the worst jersey of a winter classic jersey we have ever seen. Vegas's winter classic jersey was god awful. Just god. All right, let's talk that's, about – go ahead, go ahead, come on. I was just going to say that that's where I'm at with it. Uh, Decord, 
I could talk probably an hour about the cord, but let's not. Let's just move on. Fair enough. Let's talk about the trading deadline before we get to the all-star rosters. There are a lot of interesting names on here, and there's a lot of teams that are featured more than one time. Apparently, the Calgary Flames are going to be in selling mode, and they probably should be with Noah Hannafin, Elias Lenholm, and Chris Tanev on the block. Jake Gensel is an interesting name that has come up in certain circles. The Blues appears several times with Bennington and Perrieco on that list. Mike Matheson from the Canadiens will be an interesting pickup. John Gibson could be a player that could be moved to a team that needs goaltending, like Toronto, to maybe solidify something there. You got Michael Bunting, who was a scapegoat in Toronto. He is potentially on the block. Tyson Berry, a good now another Toronto scapegoat. Veteran defenseman Jordan Everly of Seattle has been mentioned. Adam Henrique in Anaheim is. I don't Anaheim. see Everly getting moved with the Kraken back in the playoff hunt. Well, well, that that winning streak has thrown a little monkey wrench into some of these lists. Uh, Adam Henrique will continue the tradition of Anaheim dealing away their best player, their best veteran player at the deadline. Same with Anthony Duclair in San Jose. Jake Allen in Montreal could give you a backup a goaltending push. And Mike Hoffman, who seems to be on the trading deadline just about every year since he had a career resurgence with the Blues a couple of seasons ago. Dan, out of all of these names on here, from Kuzumenko in Vancouver, who probably is not going to get dealt now, the Vancouver is at the top of the standings, all the way down, what name, if you were a general manager, would you target on this list to bring to a team like a Seattle, like maybe an Arizona, to bring them in to get you over the hump? Elias Lindholm is the name that sticks out to me. And why is that? Um, top line guy, a scorer, great scorer, great passer, somebody that can get your offense going, solid defensive player. Well, not a liability on defense. Uh, he's somebody that can just overall make your team better, uh, for the right price. Now, the other thing I will say here is Gibby, Gibby from the ducks. Um, if you're, if you think goaltending is what's going to put you over that edge, a la a Toronto is a great example. I think if you put Gibson on a Toronto team, that could make a whole hell of a difference. Um, I'm also going to say that if you put Gibson on a Islanders team as a backup, as like a 1A, 1B, or a Devils team as a 1A, 1B, I think that can put that team over the top as well. Um, there's a lot of good names here. A name I don't see getting moved is a Kuzminko with the way the Canucks are just clicking on all cylinders right now. Fair enough. I don't really know where they upgrade. Uh, Elias Lindholm, by the way, the only guy that we mentioned that has been named to the All-Star team. This is the first ever All-Star team. And let's go there now. We have a lot of first-timers making their All-Star debut. Frank Vetrano in Anaheim. Lindholm, of course, Connor Bedard is an All-Star followed by Boone Jenner in Columbus, Jake Ottinger, well-deserved in Dallas, probably should have gotten it last year, Sam Reinhart in Florida, he's a first-timer, Oliver Bjorkstrand in Seattle, and Robert Thomas in St. Louis. Good to see some fresh faces there, and there's some veteran faces there as well. The likes of Austin Matthews in his fifth, Nikita Kucherov, he's making his fifth appearance, Sidney Crosby, he's a six-time All-Star now, Connor McDavid, Seven-time All-Star, Nathan McKinnon, five-time 
all-star. A lot to love on these all-star teams, Dan. Is there anybody that maybe you don't agree with? Um, You know, looking at this, it's it's very hard to actually disagree with some of the seasons that most of these guys have had because just sort of I'm be honest, there's there's not much that I can think of. I mean, maybe a Felipe Forsberg out of Nashville. Philip Forsberg. Uh, okay, Felipe Philip. It's all the same. It starts with an F. Oh my gosh. Fair enough. Sure. Why and anybody you disagree with? I mean, Boone Jenner out of Columbus is actually a pretty easy one to disagree with. Somebody has to make it from Columbus. I mean, you could have put Zach on there. You could have put. Fantilli, if we're being honest, Fantilli, I mean, any of the Russians, the Russian line has been clicking on all cylinders until they, until they broke it up. Boone Jenner leads the team in goals with 13. He is probably the most recognizable name there. You could have gone with Marchenko. You could have gone with Wierenski, who's a defenseman with 25 points. But then again, the West is so loaded with defensemen. Who do you leave off? Johnny Gaudreau. He has 25 points and is tied for the team lead. Fantilli would have been a great choice. Help Provorov with two goals and 19 assists, maybe a decent choice there. I actually think Provorov would have been the choice. I, I, it should have been Wierenski. He's the only plus guy out of those listed other than Marchenko. He's getting 24 minutes a night, a goal, 24 assists. You know, the dude's good. Yeah. I love but, this team. Why are they so bad? Like, but if you if you put him in, who in that division doesn't make the playoff or you know isn't in there? Like, I mean, I would put him in over Boone. That's the only option. Well, that's I and that's fine. I get that. But what defenseman do you take out of there? You know, or, or really, um, I guess it's not position oriented. Is Jack? I mean, or, there's sorry, only Hughes. Yeah. Yeah, Quinn Hughes is one of the two defensemen of the Rosmus Dalin. So yeah, okay. I, I get you there. Um What yes. about you? Who do you who, who do you No, you you hit the nail on the head because that's that's exactly who I was gonna bring up as well. Um you know somebody has to make it from San Jose, and I get that Hurdle's probably your best guy there. Somebody has to make it from, you know, Anaheim. You could you could argue that that William Eklund should be the guy from San Jose. Yeah. Somebody has to make it from Anaheim and Vetrano leads the team in points. I'd like to see Mason McTavish go in there. You know, I, I feel like Mason McTavish injured right now though. Or he's definitely just he's been battling injury. Like when I say battling, I mean like you don't know if he's playing each other. Like I'll be honest, they made I think Connor McDavid to the All Star team the day after he broke his jaw. The vote, the 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 roster was already in at that point. To, and to no, McTavish is healthy. He put he had a goal uh, last night against Nashville. I will actually tell you who should have made this team before the injury. Um, back in I want to say it was like early, to, like late mid to late early December. Leo Carlson, the rookie, should have been the All Star from this team. Going to be completely honest. Okay. Makes sense. That kid is fun to watch. Like this Anaheim team, like this Anaheim team, man. Zegris, Henrique, Troy, uh, Troy Terry, McTavish, Leo Carlson. 
like this team is so fun to watch. Like, man, this this team very well could be a cup contending team within three seasons. I'm just throwing it out there. And no, I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, I didn't even mention the All-Star. Verano, I mean, Kilgorn, like. Kalorn, but yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, the NHL is probably the best one at picking their guys. You know, Jake Ottinger is 21-11-7, 901 save percentage, 293 goals against average. Is he really the guy you want to pick to be a goaltender there? Yeah, he's a he's a big name, and and he's played great, but is he the best player in Dallas? Here's the thing with Otto. He's been out for a month. Yeah, and he's still putting up those kind of stats. Like, like he's been barely he's over, out since barely December over, yeah. 18th. He just started practicing early last week, I think. Barely over a, a 900 save percentage, barely under three goals a game. Jason Robertson sitting here with 15 goals and 26 assists. Give him a look. Hey, I got to ask you a question. I'm being honest here. Sure. Talk about talk about depth in goalies. What better situation are you in if you're Dallas? Otto's out. Wedgwood's been playing fairly nice. But you also have a guy like Matt Murray backing up backing up Wedgwood right now. For now. Like he's I mean, do you get much better with depth at that point? I was never a fan of Matt Murray, so I'm going to just go ahead and say blah to your argument. But, yeah, it's a good choice. Uh, Now, let's bring this one home. You asked me a question two weeks ago when we first started planning out this show. Is the most recent draft class the best draft class the NHL has had in recent memory? And I said no, because it's too soon to tell. And then I started taking a deeper dive into this. Hands down, far and away, the best draft class in the history of the NHL belongs to the draft class that had Wayne Gretzky, 79-80, because it all, I'm sorry, rookie class. So these are the guys that appeared for the first time in 79-80. It also features Mark Messier, Ray Bork, Mike Gartner, Mark Howe, Kevin Lowe, Dwayne Sutter. Yeah, can't get much better than that. You brought up some interesting years. Um, 08 through through 10 had the names had future Hall of Famer Steven Stamkos, Drew Doughty, Jonathan Quick. I think Pecorine gets in there. Claude Giroux's going to get a look. Max Pacioretty. I hate that he didn't stay healthy because if he would have stayed healthy, he's in that conversation. Uh, Alex Petrangelo, Jacob Borchek, James Neal, Tuka Rask, Victor Hedman, Eric Carlson's a Hall of Famer, Matt Duchesne, Jamie Benn, John Tavares is a Hall of Famer. Those two years were fantastic. 15-16 um, was, was the year you brought up because it had Connor McDavid. And I countered with 91-92. So I'm going to read off these names. And Dan, I don't know how much of a historian you are. To, to, but let's to be honest. Next. I just got into hockey a few years ago and I was born in 91. Okay, so yeah. 91-92, the year you were born. Featured Pavel Bure, Nick Lindstrom, Dominic Hoshik, Rob Blake, Tony Amani, John LeClaire, Darian Hatcher, Vladimir Konstantinov. Do any of those names ring a bell to you? No. Okay. How about the names from 1516? Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel, Max Domi, Anthony Duclair, Artemi Panarin, Oscar Lindbergh, Dylan Larkin, Colton Perrieko, and Sam Bennett. 
Obviously. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit of a hint here. Outside of McDavid, that 91-92 team, and maybe even with McDavid, steamrolls 15-16. Uh, honorable mentions include 05-06, because that was the Crosby Ovechkin year. 16-17 uh, had Matthews, Line A, Wierenski, Matt Tuchuk, Matt Murray, as you mentioned. Uh, Mike, uh, William, William Nylander. Nylander and the, Mitch Marner. The the newest big contract in the NHL. Eight years, 11 mil, or 11.25. I mean, it's just a ridiculous number. And then 07-08 was the Chicago Blackhawks year with Kane and Taves, and also Carey Price. So just an interesting little question that I, I thought you hit the nail on the head right there. That was uh, that even stumped me for a little bit. I had to do some research. Now, are you ready for my favorite part of the show? Give it to me, Ed. Dan, did you know that the Professional Women's Hockey League has started and it has implemented a jailbreak rule where a shorthanded goal automatically negates the penalty kill and the power play ends? The first one that happened came from Toronto's Emma Maltias, who scored shorthanded to free Ali Monroe from the penalty box. Dan, do you like this rule? I do like this rule. I can think of a few NHL teams that uh, would like that rule as well. Yeah, I know of a lot of them that would. Uh, Dan, we're going to do this quick last one. Marc-Andre Fleury has now tied Patrick Wall for second most victories in NHL history at 551. He recently eclipsed 1,000 games started. Is the Flower a Hall of Famer? Yes. First ballot, hands down, he's going to be in Toronto immediately. Yes, Flower will be in Toronto. And is there a more likable person than Marc-Andre Fleury? Like, honestly, if you if you look at all the stuff that he's done, there, there's nobody more likable than him. I, I agree. Uh, you got anything else you want to add before we put this half-season show to bed for the NHL? Ed, I'm going to hit you with a little MLB. Did you know Theo's farm system was voted by the other 29 executives as an overwhelming best in the MLB? They got 79% of the vote. No other club got more than 4%. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. We went almost a month and a half without mentioning the Baltimore Orioles on this podcast. It's the longest we've ever gone. Congratulations, Dan. I, I admire your restraint. In this. Now, in the offseason, how long do you think you can go without mentioning the Baltimore Ravens? That depends on how their season ends. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put this one to bed. We're going to tell you what you can expect from us next week. You're going to be getting our usual NFL show where we're going to break down all of the playoff action from Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. We're going to go around the coaching carousel. As Nick Saban retired today, Wink Martindale and the Giants parted ways. Pete Carroll is out after 14 seasons. And uh, the NFL is offered to buy out 200 employees. The Texans owner may need a guardian because she's incapacitated. And uh, there's just there's a lot to go over next week other than the action on the gridiron. You're going to get all of that from us. Dan is going to give you his final NFL power rankings until after the Super Bowl. And we're also going to give you some more hockey content as you never know. You may see another 
on this date in history comeback. You may see more of the memes that I create with the sports lyrics, movie stuff. I don't know. We're going to see what we have time for. Dan, any parting shots? Um, Just that uh, once football season wraps up, Ed and I free up a lot, so you'll get a lot of other different content. So uh, just be looking forward to that. We we do devote most of our time during football season to the NFL um, because two of, both of us are very passionate about that. Sometimes I don't know if we're going to be friends uh, at the end of certain weeks, but we always AFC make it championship out. game in three weeks. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, that's going to be bad. But, ladies and gentlemen, as always, from the bottom of our hearts, we'd like to thank you all for listening. And just remember, if your team is not doing so hot, it can always be the players we named later who can make it better. See ya!